online, on Radio Player, and on 106.6 FM. This is Wickham Sound. Welcome to Mimi Meets. It's a show where I love to bring you guests who I have met through one means or another. Usually people I've worked with a while, people I know, people in the community who I know are influencers, who affect the way life works. And my guest today is actually somebody that I came across by chance. But having spoken to him, I couldn't resist inviting him into the studios to have a talk to us about what he does for a living. So without further ado, let me introduce to you Steve Groves. Welcome, Steve, to the studios of Wickham Sound. It's lovely to be here. Thank you, Mimi. It's very nice to have you here. And you are a fascinating character, I find, because you came in for an interview um, on another show just to come in and talk about the subject matter we're going to be discussing. Mm. And you were so fascinating, I just had to grab you there and then say, come in and do a show. Oh, well, thank you very much. <laughs> so you work for a company called Take One? Yes, Take One Business Communications. So we're a corporate video production company. Um, we're based in High Wycombe and we do all kinds of uh, uh, video production work. So uh, case studies, promos, testimonials, um, those are our kind, of, uh, our kind of stock in trade, our bread and butter as it were. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I'm also a drone pilot, which is what I was talking about when I came in Absolutely, last time. and that's the bit I found really, really fascinating. So you're part of this video production company, and so you, you probably have other skills as well that you use. Yes, so um, I, um, I actually originally trained as an electronics engineer. Okay. Um, uh, but uh, eventually I decided that that wasn't what I wanted to do with my life. I was doing it because I was good at it, not because I enjoyed it. Um, so uh, eventually I decided to uh, join Take One. Um, and uh, I do a bit of uh, camera work. I do some sound engineering. Uh, I do motion graphics and editing. Um, and I also fly our drones as well. Amazing. And you can't just um, fly the drones, can you? you have, do you have to go through a process or can you just fly the drones? Uh, well, it depends on why you're deciding to fly. Okay. Um, so uh, anyone can go out and buy a drone. Um, and provided you're flying in accordance with the law, so you're, there are certain safe distances and things that you need to maintain in certain locations that you simply can't fly in, um, provided you're, you're, you're flying uh, just for your own pleasure, um, then you don't need a license oh, or, okay. or anything like that to do it. Um, but you still need to fly within the bounds of the law. Um, where the uh, Civil Aviation Authority uh, gets interested is when people start using them to make money. So uh, if you uh, are flying a drone for the purposes of making money, so if you're receiving any kind of remuneration for your flight, um, then the CAA says that you need to have what's called a PFCO. So that's a Permission for Commercial Operations. Okay. Um, and this is essentially a document uh, which says that this person is able to fly uh, to a certain standard of competence and health and safety, and, and they're able to integrate into existing air traffic, um, and they kind of know what the laws and so on are. And can, so they can do it safely, basically. Okay. Do you have to have training for that? You do, yes. Um, so there are certain organisations throughout the country that provide training courses. And uh, I attended a, a pretty intensive one. Um, it was essentially three days of, of kind of ground school mm-hmm. uh, where they start you from the very beginning of you know sort of day dot. You don't know anything about flying. Mm-hmm. And they teach you about things like air law about 
uh, meteorology, um, how to read maps and charts, how to plan flights, all that sort of thing, health and safety stuff as well. Um, Why meteorology? <laughs> um, because you need to know what the weather's going to do. Okay. Because flying is obviously weather dependent. Oh, okay, that um, makes sense so when you explain it. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> um, so uh, they don't do, they don't go into like a huge amount of detail on it, but they they teach you enough to be able to make an informed decision on whether you should whether you should fly on a particular day or not. And so that was that was three days, and that has a exam at the end of it, which has a seventy five percent pass grade. I think so. You okay. need to you need to pay attention. Oh, absolutely. During the grad very school. important. I would have thought absolutely. And then once you've done that. Uh, you then need to write what's called an operations manual. And this is a document which is, um, I think mine's about 150 pages long. And it's basically just a document which says, which puts out in writing how you're planning to fly, all of the technical specifications of the equipment you're going to use, what okay. your processes are. Um, and it's basically a, a documentation exercise. Once that's been signed off as being suitable so you kind of you send it to your assessor and they mark it and send it back and there's usually some uh fiddling that needs to go on to get it working right yes uh then there's a practical flight assessment oh yes. this is where it gets exciting yes uh so <laughs> i will tell you now that if you put i mean i've gone into some of these shops local mm. shops and i've been given a control as you walk through the door mm. to operate one of the drones as you quite rightly say anyone can just go and buy a drone yes so prior to christmas i was looking for interesting presents shall we say mm. and um, that was one i did consider but then i thought about my manipulation if you like of this mm. um this what would you call it uh, it's a controller a co the controller yeah and i thought no it'll take all my lights out it'll take <laughs> <laughs> half my furniture will get damaged uh, and, mm. I, and the ceilings will get knocked and i thought really no this is not a good idea so it's a lot of skill isn't it there is yes now some of the more expensive drones out there have a lot of very sophisticated equipment in them so they're actually easier to fly than some of the ones that you can buy in the shops mm -hmm. um, which are just completely manual mm -hmm. so usually what happens if you buy a sort of a cheapy drone in the shops you take it off and then you immediately crash it okay um, <laughs> and that, that would that's, be me <laughs> that's that's uh, and, and to be fair you know that that, that happens to me as well um but the kind of stuff that we use for the for actually doing our job, um, they have a lot of flight stabilization software in. They've got uh, GPS systems um, and all sorts of things that mean that they're actually easier to fly. But I still practice on one of the completely manual uh, cheapy drones. Okay. Because being able to fly completely manually makes yeah. you better at flying with all of the, all the other stuff. Yeah, the gadgets and the gizmos. Exactly, yeah. But you obviously need skills to do this. You can't just, I mean, you know, you're, you said you're, you came from a technical background. Mm, so yes. did that help, do you think, with the sophistication of the drones that you use? Um, in a way, um, I, I'm actually uh, I'm actually a bit of a gamer. Oh, um, okay, yes. So uh, that kind of helps as well. Yeah, it's that thumb thing, isn't it? Yes, yes, <laughs> absolutely. And uh, being sort of familiar with how bits of equipment connect together, and because um, the, uh, the 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 drones that we use, uh, they work on an app. Uh, through a tablet or a phone mm -hmm. which you connect up to your control unit mm -hmm. um, and then you can kind of program stuff in using the app um, but actually um, flying it using the sticks um, does take quite a bit of practice mm -hmm. um, and it's other things as well like uh, taking wind direction and strength into account when you're when you're flying uh, one other thing as well is recognizing what direction you're facing um, because uh, drones 
get very small very quickly when they're up in the sky. Okay. Um, and they're quite often not the best colours for being able to see them against cloud cover right. or sort of blue sky. Right. So recognising what direction you're going and being able to make kind of snap decisions if yes. there's... You know, if a if a uh, a light aircraft comes into your flight path yes, or something, indeed, um, and that's all stuff that you are taught on the ground school and that you have to practice before you do your practical flight assessment. Okay, and when you do your practical flight assessment, what does that involve? So, um, what they do is it usually takes about an hour, and it's a bit like a practical driving test. Okay. So, what they do is uh, they get you to plan a flight as if you were being contracted by a client. Um, so you have to do all of your pre-flight planning documentation, so and they kind of they check it all uh, whilst you're there as well. Um, you have to decide on the day whether you're going to fly or not because if the weather's not conducive to using it, then... your meteorological skills, absolutely yes. <laughs> Once you actually get up into the into the air, then yeah. the instructor will get you to do um, a certain set of manoeuvres. So it will be things like. Um, uh, fly in a straight line um, whilst also ascending at a forty-five degree angle, um, or he'll so like like takeoff really. Yeah, that that sort of thing. Yeah, you need to do things like um, a sort of a, a, a square, which sounds really easy, but it's actually quite quite difficult because you're you're not allowed to look mm-hmm. at the uh, at the camera mm-hmm. uh, view at all. You have to do it all by sight. Are you constantly in sight of your drone? Yes, you so are. that is a very important thing. Um, you always have to have line of sight, direct line of sight okay. to your drone. Now, there are ways you can get around that by having spotters. Okay. But, but this is still human beings standing yeah. in various locations and saying, I've seen it. Exactly, yeah. And uh, if your spotter is out of shouting range, yeah. then you need to have a walkie-talkie or something. Of course. Um, because you, you need to be able to see where your aircraft is and yeah. if there's anything that you're going to hit or yeah. that's going to hit you, Okay. basically. Okay. <laughs> and it's things like that that have to be documented in the, in the manual. Um, and that you'll be that you produce as part of your training exactly yeah yeah. so you go through all that you've done your practical test Mm -hmm. and you've done your square in the sky yep and a figure of eight as well oh okay very good very good i bet that takes some skill it uh, it can do yeah (laughs) yeah Um, and then where do you go from there you've passed so um once that's done uh the instructor will basically sign you off as saying yep you can fly a drone and you're not going to hurt anybody if you do it Um, and then they send a whole bunch of documentation along with a copy of your manual off to the civil aviation authority right so that's the process and uh, they then uh, either say yes we agree with the instructor's assessment or no there's some things in the documentation that need to be changed Mm -hmm. assuming they agree uh, then they send you a certificate, which basically is your permission for commercial operations. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. So once you've got that, what sort of work is it useful for? So there's all sorts of things you can use drones for. Um, as a video production company, we primarily use our drones to add a bit of extra zing to our productions. Mm-hmm. Um, I can imagine. <laughs> yes. So uh, uh, aerial footage is always impressive. Yeah. Um, and particularly if you've got uh, a client who... Uh, has a nice premises that yes. they operate out of. Yes. Being able to see that from the air is. Yes. It, it, they kind of they always kind of have this sort of oh wow I've, that looks really cool. You yes. Know? Um, and it's really good for sort of showing off um, nice locations, things like um, 
uh, golf courses, yeah. stately homes, yeah. um, and and sort of areas that are quite sort of picturesque. It's really good for for showing those off. Um, but you can also use it to get other sort of interesting shots as well. Um, and uh, but there are other things you can do with it as well from a more practical point of view. And you are absolutely fascinating in the way you're painting the picture on how to become a drone pilot. Well, I like to think it's fascinating. <laughs> it is fascinating. You know, you see it in the news a lot. You see what's going on in the skies. You, see, you know, you hear some horror stories, and mm. we're going to talk about one of those in a minute because oh, yes. I'm very curious as to how that came about, as I'm sure mm. an awful lot of people are who've been watching with bated breath as to what is going to happen next. Um, and, of course, I'm referring to the horrors that people went through at Gatwick Airport very recently. Mm. Ooh, yeah. that was awful. It was... Um, what happened? It was a major incident. So when that happened, there was a bit of a collective beleaguered sigh amongst all of the drone pilot community mm. um, because we knew that something like this was going to happen sooner or later. But can I just ask, why could or did this happen? How could something like this happen? Because... When we were talking earlier, mm. you said there are rules, there are regulations, there are some places that you've got to be very conscious mm. of where you can fly mm. um, and where you cannot fly. Yes, absolutely. So how could this happen in such a safe, secure area? So now this, this is, a, this is a, a fundamental issue to um, flying drones. Um, there are, as you said, there are um, quite strict regulations on where you are allowed to fly um and uh you one of those is you're not allowed to fly within a kilometer of any aerodrome so that's uh large airports such as gatwick right um, all the way down to smaller airports like booker mm-hmm. um and it, it is just flat out illegal to fly within a mm-hmm. kilometer of mm-hmm. places like that and that's quite a distance it's not sort of you know on the other side of the fence no exactly um to put it into perspective, uh, a kilometre from uh, Booker yes. takes you sort of somewhere into the middle of Cressex. Okay. The Cressex Industrial Yeah, that estate. really does put it into perspective. Yeah. So, uh, so there is there is actually quite a quite a big area that you're not allowed to fly within. Now, those rules are already in place, and they're things that people like myself um, abide by, just as a matter of course of, mm-hmm. of what it is that we do. Um, and if we get caught breaking those rules, yes. then we get the book thrown at us. Yes. Um, because it's important that we maintain this culture of following the rules and doing things in a safe manner. Absolutely. But are there any checks and balances on you? So, for example, a, uh, an aeroplane, a commercial fl- flight cannot go through the airspace until it's been approved by the control tower, mm. etc., and then they can fly in. So is this something at a lower level, if you like, for drone pilots? So, uh, there sort of is. Um, is that the, a silly No, no, it's it? not a silly question at all. It's quite a good one. Um, the, there is a maximum operating altitude that all drone pilots have to abide by, and that mm-hmm. is 400 feet from right. ground, from ground right. level. All drones, that's it. All drones, that's it. Okay. Um, now, drones are capable of flying higher than that, but um, obviously, you know, from the regulation perspective, you're only supposed to fly up to that maximum. Yes. And... The, now, the trouble is, you can put as many rules and regulations in place as you like. Indeed. But that's not going to stop people breaking the law if they yeah, really want absolutely. to. absolutely. Same with anything in life. Same with anything, yeah. 
Um, and that is really the issue that we had at Gatwick, is there are obviously you know, regulations in place to, that people really shouldn't be flying in that way. But obviously the people responsible for it either were ignorant of that or, I, I, and I suspect, knew about it and did it anyway um, because they either wanted to prove a point or they just wanted to cause a bit of disruption. Yeah, it's it's almost like a power play, isn't it? That's how it came across to a lot of us watching. Yeah. We can do this, so we will. Exactly. That is the uh that is the danger. And uh the issue that we have now is one one idiot with a with a drone is able to adversely affect the lives of hundreds of thousands, possibly Absolutely. even millions of people. Absolutely. With minimal risk of being caught themselves. That's the bit I think nobody understood, which is why I was asking you earlier, do you have to be in sight of your drone? Mm. Because if you're in sight of your drone and, you know, you've got security standing there, they can see the drone there, so surely Mm. there must be a certain radius within which the operator, the pilot, whatever terminology you want to use, is sort of standing, operating that drone. If they're abiding by the rules, yes. Um, but as I say, drones are capable of operating outside of those bounds. Um, and the bounds are put in place for a reason, for safety purposes. Sure, sure. Um, and also, as, as you said earlier, to have checks and balances in place to make sure that you are within a certain distance of any drone that's being flown. Sure. Um, but people are able to fly them outside of those bounds um, if they are so inclined. And that really is the issue. Um, now there how, are. How do they do that, though? Just for, for all of us who are quite ignorant about this, because I'm completely ignorant mm. apart from going through the front door of a gimmicky shop and being given the controller. <laughs> <laughs> so um, a drone is essentially a, a slightly more sophisticated radio-controlled aircraft, okay. basically, and so uh, operates using radio frequencies. Um, so the maximum range of drones varies widely. And, right, but. Um, you can you can go basically as 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 far as the maximum range of your transmitter will right. allow. Right, so it may not be within the legal limits. Exactly. Yes, is what you're sort of saying there. Yeah. Yes, and and even within that limit, um, a drone pilot can be anywhere within that location. Right. Um, now, obviously, if they're inside a car or a building or something, then the um, uh, the uh, the sort of the control response is going to be affected by that because yes. you've got a physical object between the. Uh, between the controller and the aircraft itself that's blocking the signal. Um, But um, if somebody wanted to be um, disruptive, then that's not really that much much of an issue for them, I suppose. I mean... The thing I I think most of us when we were talking about this, because I think the way it affected us was we were listening to this story unfold and a lot of us were wondering... Why don't they just shoot them down? Why don't they? Because there's no commercial planes flying over the over the top because mm. they've stopped them all. Yep. So why couldn't they just shoot them down? There's a great. Um, there was a really great video on Facebook because I'm a big social media <laughs> fan. I live quite a lot of my what should be my sleeping hours, but I don't <laughs> sleep a lot on Facebook catching up with things. And there was a great video of somebody chucking a loo roll at a drone and down it came. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. um, There are various ways that you can down rogue drones and obviously shooting it down is the obvious one. Um, However, there are issues surrounding surrounding that. The police specifically didn't want to, to do that because they don't really like discharging firearms in public areas. Okay. Um... 
The, uh, there are also issues with if they miss, what happens to the bullet? Um, it's got to go somewhere, yeah. and there's a chance that it might hurt somebody or cause damage. And also the what happens to the drone itself when it's been shot, mm-hmm. um, because it's going to crash. Yeah. And what's it going to crash onto? Indeed. But, Where the is question, it going to but go? having said all of that, and yes, I agree with all those things you've said, mm. having heard all of that, um, I the way I'm seeing it is on the other hand, that that is a safe, secure zone. There shouldn't have been people in that zone as it were, mm. except for the pilot, and quite frankly, for the disruption he caused, did I? Do I really care if the drone comes down and lands on the pilot? Well, I'm not I think, sure I do with with the trouble that they've caused. Yeah. Well, I think the um, the the police's concerns with that really was more to do with uh, with the the issues of the public, because if you remember, um, uh, it's within a kilometre. Mm, so mm. Uh, within a kilometre of the outside bound of uh, Gatwick Airport, yes. it's actually quite a long way. Yes, that's, that's, that, that's the thought that goes through my head. Yes. Yeah. Um, so it could be over almost anything yeah. in that, in that pers- from that perspective. There's lots of public roads that go alongside Gatwick yeah. Airport. There are kind of houses and other public areas, um, places that they didn't necessarily have control over. The, the other issue is actually locating it as well right um as i said in the first part of our program uh, when a drone is up in the sky yep. it actually can be quite difficult to see yes um and you have to see it to shoot it yes um so if a drone is reported in a certain area then the authorities have to react in a certain way they have to ground the aircraft because they can't take the risk that it might cause a problem um but once that initial report has happened you still need to have somebody actually locate the drone and keep eyes on it long enough for somebody else to get into place to take it down to deal with it yes. and that that is the tricky bit okay. because they are because obviously drones are quite small sky is very big and um, particularly if it's overcast um, it can be very hard to see them and that takes me on to another point actually you said that they can go up to 400 feet mm. that's quite high it is. And then if you can't spot them, I mean, how big does it actually look? So say, you know, here I am, I'm, I'm sort of Joe Public, I don't do this whole drone thing. So for me, to give me a bit of perspective, is it like seeing a pinprick in the sky? Is it like seeing a tennis ball in the sky? The sort of size is what I'm trying to get at. What is it you actually see as the pilot when you're keeping an eye on your drone? So most uh, professional commercial drones have uh, navigation lights on them, okay. which blink, okay. um, which really help you with locating Brilliant. it. Yes. But even then, it can still be quite difficult, particularly at daytime, to see them. Yes. Um, because, and particularly if it's overcast, because yeah. you've got a, a dark object yep. against a larger dark object. Yes. And it's, uh, depending on the size of the drone, it can be more or less difficult to see them. But mm-hmm. to put it into perspective, it would be like if somebody was... If somebody launched a tennis ball up into the air, yes, for example, yes. um, it, it can be difficult to keep track of that. And that's why it's important to uh, maintain direct visual contact with it at all times mm-hmm. because it can, if you lose that contact, yes. it can actually be quite difficult to find it Find again. it again. If you do lose your drone, mm. can you direct it back to you? Yes. So uh, all commercially available drones have a return to home function okay uh, which uses the gps system inside so and is it, it for the controller yes is that so, what it's attached to not the physical location of where it started or uh, well it, it can be either oh, okay. um, so the ones that we use uh they when it when the drone takes off it registers its takeoff location in its gps system 
if you initiate the return to home procedure, the drone will stop what it's doing. It will navigate itself back and land itself. Oh. Um, or if it loses <laughs> contact with the control unit yes. for a certain length of time, yes. then it will do the return to home as, on How itself as well. How clever. Yes. That is really smart, isn't it? It's, uh, it's, it's quite... It's, it's quite fun, I think. <laughs> Amazing. That really is fantastic. Yeah. It's a whole new world for me. It really is. And I'm fascinated by your description of how it all works and how you can use the technology effectively. And just before the break, we were talking about that terrible incident which ruined thousands of people's travelling mm. lives, their holidays, you know, it's, it, occasions. We heard of one woman who missed her father's funeral because of it, because it was in Spain. And it, all these awful things that happened just because of one person bringing the whole of the drone world into disrepute. I mean, how did that make you feel? Well, as, as I said before the break, um, there was just this kind of beleaguered sigh because I knew that it was, it was going to make people like myself look bad in comparison mm. um, because people will look at drones and say, oh, you know, they're just a massive nuisance, aren't mm. they? Mm. Um, but actually, that, and, and not realising that, they can be used in a way that is responsible and in fact they should be used in a way that is responsible and it doesn't cause that kind of disruption indeed um and uh, it's a bit like with any tool really it's it's a bit sort of, it's a bit sort of like um you know some people some people use knives to do horrible things, mm. but they mm. are also used to cook delicious meals Absolutely. And, and so on. Yes, that's a really good analogy, actually. I like that, because mm. I like cooking. Oh, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. I haven't killed anybody yet with my food. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I love cooking. Mm. In fact, I have to say, yesterday I probably cooked the best beef curry I have ever cooked in my life. Oh, good stuff. But can I remember how I did it? Because <laughs> I just pick everything up and I just throw it into the pan. Well, that's the best you know? <laughs> way of doing it. You just kind of make it up as you go along. Well, you do, and every time it's a bit different. So yeah, I said yeah. to my husband, I have no idea how I'm going to remember how to do this one again, but this <laughs> is the one for dinner parties. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so going back to the whole drone situation, yes. we talked about the Gatwick incident and the reputational damage that it can do. Um, they've never caught this person. Um, they've never found who did it. They don't know. Mm. From your point of view, as somebody who is a drone pilot, do you have any sort of thoughts on the measures that could be taken to avoid a situation like this again? Because, of course, Heathrow then went through the same thing a few weeks later. Mm. Well, I think the thing that needs to happen is authorities need to uh, collaborate more with organisations like Heathrow and Gatwick mm -hmm. um, and also with people who are developing new technology mm -hmm. in the field yep. in order to come up with ways that uh, drones can be quickly identified and uh, taken taken down yes. uh, if they are in an area that they shouldn't be. Yes. Um, and uh, there are a few things that are currently being worked on. Okay. Um, so uh, the, the one that is kind of already in place is geofencing. Which um, is... So uh, in the uh, in the software uh, within the kind of a, a drone system, yep. um, you have uh, areas which are marked out as no-fly zones. Okay. And uh, those are hard-coded in by the manufacturer of the drone. And you cannot physically fly the drone within those no-fly zones. That's it will, amazing. Yeah, it, it's almost like flying it into a wall. The drone physically won't go wow. any further. Um, now, the issue is um, you can switch that off in the software because there are reasons why you might need to fly a drone in no-fly zones if okay. you have 
uh, permission from the control towers and so on. Um, and also, people build their own drones, right? Which means that they don't necessarily have that geofencing thing. Right. In. So it's it's a it's a measure. It's not a a, a be all and end all thing. Um, there are some other more uh, exciting things as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, there is a system that's being developed at the moment, and I believe it's been used in on a trial basis. Uh, in the US, uh, which involves interceptor drones, okay, um, which have a net launcher on them. So when a rogue drone has been identified, yeah. um, the police send up a interceptor, right, which will track the offending drone, yes. and fire a weighted net at it, which oh, wow. then wraps around the drone yes. and forces it to land. Okay, um, and that works quite well. Um, but again, it, you know, you have to find the drone in the first place, yeah. which is the main issue. Yeah. But it does work, and it, it works quite well. Yeah. And my personal favourite method yeah. is uh, there are groups which are training birds of prey, eagles, oh. uh, to uh, <laughs> uh, fly and basically grab a drone in its talons and wrestle it to the ground. And they're taught to attack the drone in a way so as they don't injure themselves by the prop. I was just going to ask, would that not hurt the bird? Yeah, so they the idea is that they, they fly up underneath the drone and they grab it from underneath and they literally wrestle the thing down to the ground. Wow. Um, which I think is brilliant. How um, clever. Yeah. Um, but as I say, these things are all things that are currently in development. And uh, I think what these uh, what these things need are more funding... Um, more development time and licensing for everybody yes exactly that's what i was um, and, talking about and yesterday. that is that is the thing as well um because anybody can go out and buy a drone yes um that opens the 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 possibilities up for anybody to, Indeed. to go and get one. um what needs to happen is i think that drones need to be registered absolutely um, because at the moment they're not yeah. and i think they need a uh, they need to have some sort of system in them that broadcasts a unique id reference yes um that is registered to a pilot absolutely um i i think that's a really good way forward myself I mean, it's, it's one of the most common sense approaches mm. to this whole problem isn't similar it? to how cars have a registration exactly number. right exactly right. Um, because that will put a bit of extra uh accountability into place absolutely which, right. which isn't there currently and needs to and be and that's just common sense hmm I like to think so anyway. Indeed, it's common <laughs> sense, and that's the way it should be. I mean, and coming completely away from this whole subject of drones, because it mm. has been absolutely fascinating, and I do like the bird of prey um, <laughs> tackle, if you like. I think that's a wonderful way. Nature versus, you know. <laughs> I, I think it's brilliant. The footage of it as well is, uh, there's footage of it out on YouTube and so yeah. on. It, it looks, I was going to say, did really you cool. take the footage? Oh, no, sadly not, no. Because <laughs> with the company that you work for, it's not just about, um, you know, being a drone pilot. You do do lots of things. We were talked, um, when we first started talking, uh, we, you, let's start again. When we first started um, chatting about what you do, mm. you were saying that you do lots of corporate videos, but there are other uses as well, aren't there, for drones and the you know, cin- cinematography that you can get from them? Yes, so uh, there are other more practical ways that you can use drones um, rather than just doing video production stuff. Uh-huh. So um, they're quite useful in things like the uh, construction and building maintenance industries. Okay. So, uh, for example, from a building maintenance point of view, if you have a building which uh, you need to, a tall building that yes. you need to uh, get a look at the roof of, um, previously you would have needed to hire a cherry picker or get a ladder 
um, which obviously has its own health and safety concerns. Oh, yes. Um, and cherry pickers are not, they're not nimble, let's put it like that. Yes. Um, however, with a drone, you can just fly the drone up there. You can get brilliant 4K pictures and footage, um, and you can get great, great shots of the, the roof of the building. So uh-huh. if you're looking for a leak or something, um, you know, you can find things like cracked tiles and uh, you can look at the, the sort of the ventilation ducting and stuff like that. It's really practical uses. Yes. Um, and there, there, are some other, there are some other things that you can do with them as well. But uh, as I say, that our main reason for using them is uh, for video production stuff. Indeed. I must just um, share with you a little story. It was, as I say, I've, I mentioned earlier, I love using Facebook. Mm. And one of my neighbours had put on there, the person who has got the drone that is flying over my garden while I am sunbathing, <laughs> please could you remove it? Yes. That's the, that's the downside of it. Yes. Now, uh, that is also something that is considered to be very illegal okay (laughs) um so uh, as i've mentioned earlier in the program there are there are certain distances that you need to maintain yeah um so uh you are not allowed to fly a drone within 50 meters of any property that you do not have under your control right so you can't just fly it over somebody's back garden yes you have to have permission from the people that you're flying over right Uh, there are other things as well so um you know, there's things like uh, you can't fly within 150 metres of any gathering of more than 1,000 people. Mm-hmm. The, but that's the, the main one is making sure that you have permission to fly where you're, where you're going to be flying. Indeed. So if you're on a residential street, mm-hmm. um, you need to have, obviously, permission from the person whose property that you're mm-hmm. filming. Mm-hmm. But you will also need to get permission from their neighbours and possibly their neighbours mm-hmm. and anyone else that you are going to be flying within that 50 metres of. Mm-hmm. Um and uh, that isn't just residential property as well. It's commercial things. It's stuff that belongs to the council. So flying over roads, big no-no because people are driving cars on there. Yes. And you can't stop people and ask for permission to fly over their car and indeed, if they're on their way to work. Indeed. So uh, there are actually quite considerable restrictions on where you can fly. So it should be quite limited, quite contained and quite controlled. It should be. Um, and for people who are operating within the bounds of the law, it is. Um, and the the issue that we've that we've got with these people, like with Gatwick and Heathrow, is people are not operating within the bounds of the law. And I think what needs to happen is uh, uh, we. In, I hesitate to say that we needed Gatwick and Heathrow to happen, but we 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 need something. We needed somebody to. Uh, Literally to spearhead the whole action on tightening up the regulations. Yeah, I, I hesitate to use the word "be used" as an example. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But, but I, I know where you're coming from. But that's from. kind of it what has we galvanized need in a way. the industry into thinking: how can we stop this from happening again? Yes, exactly. And what measures do we have to yeah. take? And what the consequences will be indeed, for breaking the law, indeed. Um, which should be harsh. They, well, opinion. we were discussing it when this was all going on. We said so quite severe jail sentences. Quite frankly, that should put people off. Yep, um, intensive fines. Severe jail sentences, yes. um, those are all things that I am fully in support of mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> with regards to controlling Indeed. this. Indeed. So with your company being based in High Wycombe, yep. it's, uh, you know, it's going to be quite easy to get hold of you if people want to get hold of you and find out more. Yes, that's um, right. How do they do that? So uh, if you want to find out more, if, uh, if, there is, uh, if you have a business that needs any uh, video uh, 
promotional video content made for your social media or your website. Using an expert drone pilot who is fully licensed and yes, works within the law. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, then you can go to our website, which is www.takeonetv.com. Um, or uh, you can uh, get in touch with us on social media. Um, uh, have a look at our YouTube channel as well. Um, there are links to it all on our website to have a look at some of the stuff we've done previously. Um, and we'd uh, love to have you in and have a chat and a coffee and have a chat about how we can produce some content for your business. Amazing. And because you are a local boy, born and bred. Mm, yep. yep. Uh, I, uh, I I was raised in High Wycombe. Um, I've only fairly recently moved out to Walesbury because house prices. Yeah. Um, but uh, I still consider myself a, a Wiccan person, really. Absolutely. It's, it's, I've, I've lived in this area my whole life. Indeed, indeed. So on that basis, you're going to know the area really, really well. Mm -hmm. um, so when people do come and contact you for any help with their business, if it is very locally based, you're going to be able to help them to really sort of get some good nitty-gritty material together. Absolutely, yeah. Wonderful. Um, yeah, we, uh, we make sure that anything we do is going to uh, uh, really get under the skin of a business and... and bring their their uh, sort of unique selling points to the fore mm -hmm. so steve groves it's been absolutely brilliant having you on the show today oh, it's thank you been, it's been lovely to be here it's been such well it's been such an eye-opener <laughs> who knew that the world of drones was like that well there we go That's it is a whole new world isn't it <laughs> it is a whole new world it is I mean, I know I've said that a few times, but I'm just sitting here with a big smile on my face, which, of course, our listeners can't see, just amazed <laughs> at the sort of the complexity of the whole, you know, the legislation, the rules, the regulations, the training, all of that sort of stuff that's needed in order to actually physically be a drone pilot. Mm. And all of that is absolutely quite right. And as we've discussed, it should go a bit further now. Mm. Yes, yeah. I agree completely. And I like your idea about having those individual registrations on each and every single drone that is produced, whether it's one that you can buy on the high street or whether it's more sophisticated, mm, just yeah. so that you can trace them to the owners. Yeah, if I think you that's, need to. I think that's really key, and that's that's going to be a that would be a good way of, like I say, that on its own isn't going to be enough, but that combined with other things. Yes, that we've discussed. Um, we'll give that. Yes, we'll indeed. give a bit of a a bit of a more secure safety net indeed. than what we have at the moment. And the image I'm carrying away with me is that wonderful bird of prey tackling as a you know <laughs> one of the drones to the ground yep. and taking it out of action where it's causing mischief. Yes, amazing. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Steve, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you very much indeed for joining me here at Wickham Sound. Thank you for having me. It's been a great show. I've really enjoyed talking to you. This is Mimi Harker. You've been listening to Mimi Meets, and this is Wickham Sound. Look forward to your company next week. You've been listening to a podcast from Wickham Sound. To find out more, head to wickhamsound.org.uk.